no matter how long you've been here, if this is a place that you call your home church, let's have fellowship. Let's get to know each other. Let's be a family. And in doing that, I'm going to ask Amber and Edgar to come up front. And they're part of our family. They're, they're the southern campus of Praise Fellowship. And come on right up here, Edgar. Come on over here. Do you see the family resemblance? This, this, this is my twin brother right here. Okay. Amber and Edgar. Amber was here how long ago? 21 years ago. Um, grew up in the church. Went down south and met this guy. And they're one of our missionaries, teams that we support. And they're here to say hello and give us an update on the work they're doing. So. That's so exciting to see, wow, so many years of people standing strong. And you should feel proud if this is a place that you have remained, because remaining is a part of what God calls us to, and I love it, I love to see it. Um, sorry, my voice, we'll see if we can get through here, because if you lose a daughter at SeaWorld for 10 minutes, there's a lot of screaming that goes on. <laughs> um, but... <clears throat> It's just a privilege and a, and a blessing for us to be here. We love to come to praise. We love it. It's de I, we definitely recognize it as our church family back home, and it's just so special to be here. Um, I started coming about 21 years ago uh, to a Bible study, actually, that was run, and uh, it was like this slow entry into praise. Two years later, God calls me into missions, and I, I uh, said, will you guys stand with me for two years, two years of missions? And, and they said, yes. <laughs> you guys said yes. And now it's been almost 20 years of being down in Mexico. And thank you for standing with us. A few years later, Edgar came along and you adopted him into the family. And he loves to come as well. He really loves you guys. So thank you for standing with us. Uh, we're missionaries with YWAM. Youth with a Mission, it's called, down in Mexico. Uh, we have four kids that usually are just crazy up on the stage. So today we were like, why don't you stay with your cousins? That's a great idea. So we have, they're 11 down to three. Um, and actually in the back on the missions table, we have a little, a little newsletter. It has a family picture and some pictures of things we're doing. And so you're welcome to grab one of those. Um, but anyway, we, we work down there. We have a, a little campus of YWAM in Durango, Mexico. Um, we have a little piece of land where our house is and the little YWAM house, and we have about 10 staff that live with us. Um, so the family kind of keeps growing as there's like permanent people who come. Then there's like temporary people who come either to serve in a short-term aspect or there's longer term where there's students who come for six months. So I see some different young people, and you're totally welcome to come down for six months. It's not as dangerous as they say. It's a great place where we live. And um, so that's a, uh, we work a little bit in this training and stuff, and I'll hand it over to Edgar so he can give you a little more idea. But that's kind of our family, uh, our little uh, kind of cluster where we're, we're working out of and sending uh, young people into missions. Um, but I'll hand it over to Edgar so he can give you a little more details. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm a little rusty with my English, so... If you don't understand, just raise your hand and Ember can translate for me, okay? 
Um, yeah, it's always a, a really a real honor for me to come with my family uh, to praise, and we always meet new people and always say hi to the older people, older been here, not. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, but uh, I wanted to share. A, no, I wasn't ready to share a word. I was going to share whatever we do down in Mexico. But God encouraged me to share a little word with you of encouragement. Because um, we're the people of the kingdom of God, the people of the kingdom of God, right? And this is all around the world. So as, as the kingdom of God, we should advance versus the darkness, kingdom, whatever it is, um, which is really strong nowadays everywhere. It's here, down in Mexico, and, and everywhere where you go, you see a lot of darkness. So we, if, if you go to uh, Exodus 17, there's a story of the people of Israel coming out of slavery, and then they face uh, the darkness, which is they tried to stop them to go to the promised land, uh, and they were the Amalekites. Is that right? Okay. So they said, no, you're, you're not going through here. And, and uh, they were slaves, so they didn't know how to fight. So Moses tells Joshua, you go down and fight those guys. I'll go to the mount and then I'll pray for you, and then we'll erase these people from, from the way. So um, this is a, like an interpretation, so just don't think that this heresy, what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> this is a revelation that God gave me personally for people who is behind us. So uh, Joshua and the people, and, and some, some people went down to the field, and fight against the darkness. So I picture this as we are down there in the field fighting to adv make advance the kingdom of God. And then Moses is the spiritual covering that is praying for them with the, how do you call the, the with the stick oh, there. Praying for them. And every time that he, he was like this, they will advance. But then he got tired. And then that was Or and Aaron who came and, and helped him to raise his hands. And then he sit down. And um, so, he, yeah, with the rod. He, he, and then they fight all the day until the evening. And then they defeat the Amalekites. So... How God revealed this to me is that we're down there fighting in the whatever, in the field. But without the prayer and the support of people, we, we cannot advance. Now, it's three elements here. One element without the other one, it doesn't work. We have to have people in the field. We have to pray for them, which thank you so much for all the prayer support that you give us, and also the financial support that is so necessary for us. So if we don't have one of those, we cannot advance. So we are a body. We're 
part of the kingdom and we will advance. And the things that we're doing in Mexico, uh, is we get to see it, but we get to share with you. Uh, and, and one of them is like Ember uh, was saying about uh, DTS, which is a discipleship training school. And this is the school that we have for six months. And uh, it's how Ember show up in, in Mexico. And some people here, they have done the DTS. Um, and so we, we have two in the year. We have one in April and one in uh, September. And so people stay with us for three months in a community. And uh, they serve, and, and we have classes every week, very intensive, about different topics. And then after that, uh, they go for outreach to somewhere in the world. And, and so our motto in YWAM is to know, huh? motto in, in, in YWAM is to know God and make him known. So we learn about God, and then we go out and we preach. We don't keep it for us. Um, so we're starting one in September. If you have somebody who is interested, it's life-transforming experience. I assure you that. Uh, and, and, and all this cultural shock in Mexico. Uh, you learn how to appreciate what you have. <laughs> Believe me. Um, so, and then we have also, we have different programs, but I'm just going to tell you about two. The other one is a, a summer camp that we just finished before coming to the States. Uh, and the name of the, of the camp, we're going to show a, a, a video after I finish explaining what it is. Um, this is like a 10-day uh, summer camp. And it's, in Mexico, the summer camps are only three days. So it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and they go and, and they get preached, and, and it's good. And a lot of people receive a lot uh, in it. But God told us to do a, a longer uh, camp so they can get to experience and practice what we're teaching them. So one of the, the practices is in the middle of, of the camp, we teach about evangelism, missions, and, uh, and like uh, Bible poverty. I don't know if you know that concept, but uh, we go out, we put... Bibles in the backpacks, and we hike for a couple hours and go to towns. And those kids, it's crazy because some of them have never walked more than a mile in their life. I mean, at one time. It's crazy. It's, but they get to experience that. And, and it's life transforming. It's more than, than the teaching or the rallies or all the fun. But they get to experience how to share the word of God. And, and, and believe me, it's unbelievable every single time. So this year, we did that short walk, but the, we did another longer hike, which was four, four hours and 32 minutes, and then it was 8.3 miles, and it was going up and down in the mountains. It's green and, and big forest in Mexico, even if you don't believe it. It was beautiful. Uh, and then we had some people sick on the way. It's the cultural shock, you know, like beans and tortillas and ah, the Moctezuma revenge. <laughs> um, uh, you can Google the Moctezuma revenge, okay? You'll see what it is. Um, and and then even I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little oldie getting there. Um, 
and I, my knee was really like, I couldn't almost walk. I had like somebody was pinching or like poking, stabbing my, my knee. And then we got in. It felt and, like that anyway. Huh? Oh, it felt like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got in on the top of a, of a hill. And then a girl, she came and, and she's like, I want to share a testimony. I had a sprint in my foot. And it's been like a week ago, but I couldn't really walk. And everybody came and prayed for my, for my feet. I got healed. So I would like to pray for Mr. Edgar. He saw, she saw me that I was really struggling, you know. Uh, so everybody came and prayed for my knee. And sometimes we believe for everybody else except for yourself, right? So I'm like, okay, well, let's see. And then I start walking and then nothing. And I'm what? So the rest of the other two hours, I, I couldn't feel anything. And still now, it's completely healed. Uh, and so uh, we, we kept walking. We got into, into the village after four and a half hours. Everybody's wiped and so tired. And then they started leaning in, in the floor and the grass and all that. And then we said, no, we need to get up because we need to go and preach. We came here to preach. Uh, it's not just a hike. I mean, you can hike in your house or whatever. We came here to preach and practice what you're learning. So um, we spread into five different teams. And, and I'm telling you, there was some, some kids that they were really sick. They had like stomach and they had the double dragon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um and so everybody went different directions, uh, and they started preaching. And then, and then we had like five Bibles in our backpacks and water. It was like really committed to go and, and, uh, and hand over Bibles and preach to people. So all the teams went away, and then my team, we started uh, preaching with some people. And like a couple days before, in that town... They got like hail, like really big hail, and all their crops got like busted, and and roofs were with holes. It was really, really sad. People was very desperate, and uh, they were super open to to prayer and and to receive Bibles and all that. And then all of a sudden, a tractor comes towards us, so we stop him, and then we hand over a, a Bible to him. And he grabs the Bible and he's like, he starts crying and he's like, you have no idea what this means. And so he tells us, I'm the mayor of all this area. And then whenever I got in this position, somebody told me, you need to find the Bible because that is going to help you to lead these people. And then he's like, where are you guys from? Oh, I'm from here, there, there. No, no, no. No, you're from somewhere else. <laughs> that was so, so special to to, uh, to see that. And then he's like, he was going to work into, into his land because all their crops were busted. Uh, so he's like, no, but I need you to come and meet my, my wife. So we turned turn back, and then uh, he gave us a Coca-Cola, a big one, and uh, some bread, and, and they were sharing with us, and they were very vulnerable. They just lost a kid in a really bad accident. And... Uh, and they were so ready to confess 
because they believed in their heart and they received Christ. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so if, if this would have been like the person that we needed to reach in this whole camp, which it was much more than that, it would have been worth it. So I'm telling you this, not because it uh, uh, happened to me, but happened to all of us. Because you guys are part of this, uh, like in the story of the Amalekites, like one thing doesn't happen without the other. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so it's really great to be here. We're going to show a little, a little uh, video of uh, the camp. So... Cause it's times like these we're so much happier And nights like these we'll remember Those stupid jokes Only we know No, when I'm with you I'm so much happier And nights like these we'll remember Those songs we wrote Only we know Smile at me say it's time to go I don't feel like going Thank you, Amber and Edgar, for sharing and being here part of this day. Um, how's everybody doing this morning? Good day? Good answer. Um, how many of you know what this is? Beginner's Bible. Got a real simple message today. Think we can preach out of this thing? Um, few years or a few weeks ago when Eric was here he was talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right okay a lot of you got to see our grandson what we had for a couple weeks our Virginian grandson seven-year-old Isaac and read the Bible to him every night when he's with us and I'm gonna warn you guys right now um, there might be some emotion come out of me that'll be a shock to some of you but this is very similar. This is probably almost the exact same Bible I read to all five of my children when they were little. Not this one particularly. We have one that still has Heather's name in it. Um, so it's bringing back the memories. I was reading it to Isaac. And go ahead and bring that picture up if you would, Isaac. Um, next one. As we're reading the Genesis account to Isaac and you know, talking about the creation Adam and Eve and the fall. Um, we get to the story where, you know, the fall has happened, judgment comes, and God throws him out of the garden. And I'm ready to go on, and Isaac says, why did God put an angel there? Good question. 
The simple answer is because he loves us. The title of my message today is it's the other tree. And you know, in Genesis chapter two, verse nine, it says that God planted a garden. And he planted all kinds of trees in there, trees that were beautiful to look at and trees that were good for food, right? And he also planted the tree of life. The first specifically mentioned tree in the Bible is the tree of life. Hallelujah. Does anybody want to take a guess at what the last tree mentioned in the Bible is? Good guess. I'm pretty simple on these things, aren't I? Revelation chapter 22, verse 9. It says that the tree of life, that those that obey his commandments have a right to the tree of life. So the first specifically mentioned tree in the Bible is the tree of life. The last specifically mentioned tree in the Bible is the tree of life. You think there's something significant about it? This simple picture, this children's illustration, that's how simple I am sometimes. God uses a child's question, a seven-year-old's question, to prompt a whole thing to start bouncing around in my head. And why did God put the cherubim there and the flaming sword? And if you read on in Scripture, it says that he put the cherubim and the flaming sword there to guard or block the way to the tree of life. Because one of the commandments that God gave them is that you may eat freely of any tree in the garden, but one. So how many trees were in the garden that were good for eating? Hundreds, maybe thousands. And God gave a very simple Command, eat all the fruit you want, all the nuts you want, all the produce except from this one tree. We're all better than Adam and Eve, right? (laughs) We wouldn't have eaten of that tree, right? We wouldn't have listened to Satan. The tree of life was one of those trees that God said, eat from. It's right there in the midst of the garden. And yet they chose not to eat from that one. They chose to listen to Satan. And I'm going to paraphrase this. They listened to him lie and say, God lied to you. Because God's commandment says, you may eat of any tree in the garden except this one. And the day that you eat of it, what's going to happen? Are you going to get Montezuma's revenge? (laughs) No, you're going to die. So here's your choice. I've planted an entire garden, bountiful fruit, produce. Eat what you want except from this one tree. Because if you do, you're going to die. I mean, to me, that seems pretty cut and dry, right? But yet, God knew our weakness. He knew the free will that he put inside of us, that it wasn't going to resist that temptation. So I feel, with what we see in Scripture, is that the tree of life was planted by God because he knew we needed redemption even before they fell. 
and why he put the cherubim up at the gate, the entrance back into the one, the one entrance back into the garden, because it says in Genesis chapter 3 that if man had taken of the fruit of the tree of life after he had fallen, after judgment had come upon him, Adam and Eve would have lived in that state eternally, separated from God, corrupted by sin. And so God's love is so deep, they said, I'm going to block their way so they don't make another bad decision and take of the tree of life that was there for them to take from the beginning. But they chose not to take from that tree. And Isaac, if you would, shut the lights off on me. Let me sit. Shut all the lights off. Thank you, Matt. Um, I won't. There's multiple places in Scripture where it talks about the tree of life. Proverbs has four different passages that talk about the tree of life and what it is. The reason I asked to shut the lights off because I want you to focus on the cross behind me. That everything that is talked about in Genesis, the tree of life, it's Jesus Christ. That that is the only way for eternal salvation is through Jesus Christ. And this representation that we have hanging on the wall behind us here was meant to be, and it was, a cruel instrument of death. It was torture. It was agony. That whoever was accused by the Roman Empire of crimes against them, that was their punishment, was to die a slow, agonizing death on this thing. And so I want you to look at the cross and think of it, is that the tree of life? Because of what Jesus did on that cross, his death is where we have life. So when it says that God planted in the midst of the garden the tree of life, when it says in Revelation chapter 22 at the end of the book, one of the songs we sang is, you know, we know how it ends, right? If you've read the book of Revelation, you know how this ends. And if you've looked upon the tree of life and saw that Jesus hung there for your sins, died to redeem you from eternity separated from your creator, from the Father, it is a tree of life. It was his death, but it's our life that he gave us. That as, I, you know, as we are here in the darkness, that's the state every single one of us was at at some point in our life. We were in the darkness. We were destined for eternity in hell, separated from God, from his presence. But even before we knew we needed it, before before Adam and Eve had ever done what they did, fell to the temptation of the forbidden fruit, God said, I'm going to plant redemption in the garden. He had a plan. He had a plan of redemption long before they did it. So the other tree 
that God planted is the most important tree ever created. And we have that choice every single day. Are we going to take of the fruit of Christ or are we going to choose our own way? I had some kind of silly examples of things that we do every day that we've got the, the fruit of the tree of life available to us every single day. But yet we pick something else. Instead of picking Jesus Christ and following hard after his commandments and knowing the promises that he's given us and the Holy Spirit walking this thing out with us and leaning on him, we choose to do it in our own strength. We choose to do it in our own wisdom. Um, Is eating ice cream a sin? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Some of my fellow... Ice creamers out there. Okay. But if I choose to eat an entire gallon of ice cream, and I can do it, is that a good choice? Is it a sin? What about gluttony? What about selfishness? So it may not seem like a big deal, and I'm using ice cream as a silly, if you will, example. But when we make our choices every single day, we're either pleasing God or we're displeasing him. We're either picking the tree of life or we're picking temptation and falling to it. So all prompted by a seven-year-old's question. But the tree of life was put there for our benefit long before we needed it, before we knew we needed it. You can flip the lights back on. We've been in the dark long enough, right? But that's what we're supposed to be. We're to be the light of the world. We've talked about it in a number of different ways this morning. Is that if we take what's been given to us, this new life in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we only keep it inside here, these four walls of praise fellowship, do we need it? Okay, we do. But who needs it more? We've been saved. We know eternal salvation. We know our position in Christ. We know the truth. Like... Edgar said, is they didn't just go on an eight-mile hike for the fun of it. They went because there's people that needed the light that's in them, and if you only keep it inside the building, the world that is in darkness, like we were just a few moments ago, is never going to see the tree of life. We carry the love of Christ with us everywhere we go, and we either let it shine out through us or we hold it in darkness in ourselves. That's not why we're here. That's not why we've been given one more day on this earth. We're here to represent him, to allow that light to shine, to give people hope. One of the scriptures in the Proverbs says that you know, hope that's deferred makes the heart sick, right? But when it comes, it's a tree of life. That's what we carry with us.
is a hope that people need. We carry the light, the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Okay. We're carrying that with us. And we either keep it to ourselves and let the world figure it out on their own, and they're not going to do it. Because, like you said, there's darkness all over the place, and it's becoming more bold. Satan's plans are becoming more in your face. They're more rampant all over the TV, through the radios, you know, the songs that kids are listening to. Is if we don't proclaim the truth, Satan's going to keep proclaiming his lies. So that's why we're here. That's why you guys are here. That's why God birthed, planted this movement of Praise Fellowship 30 years ago, because he has a plan and a purpose for his body growing up and taking the word out there. So let's stand and close in prayer. But choose Jesus every time. Every decision you make, you have to weigh it against the love of Christ. Me eating a gallon of ice cream isn't healthy. It's not good for me. It's not good for anybody. But what do I look at? When I'm watching the TV, what do I watch? When I'm looking at stuff online, what am I clicking on? Every decision you make either brings you closer to God or it pushes you a little further away. So every decision we make, it has to be weighed against what he did on the cross and why he did it. So, simple message from a kid's Bible, from the eyes of a seven-year-old. So, and the word says, come to me as little children, right? Stop thinking so much sometimes, people. And that's me talking to myself. Simple faith. Jesus died for us. Take what he's done, the second chance you've been given, and do something with it. Do something that glorifies his name, brings others into the kingdom. Because apart from you saying something to your coworker, they may never hear the truth from anybody else. Be bold in Christ. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for 30 years ago, you planting a vision, you planting a, a church that in spite of man and sometimes because of man has endured to this day, but it's your work. We're just here to serve you. So Lord, just continue to challenge us. Open up our eyes to the truth. Open up our eyes to the needs of this world and how we can be part of it. Every single one of you sitting here, those of you listening online, every single one of us has gifts and talents that our Father has given us. Use them. Don't keep them to yourselves. Lord, take the gifts and the talents that we have and use them for your glory. So as we go on through this day, let everything we think of, everything that we do, be a blessing to you. Let it be something that draws people to you as we live and as we act and as we interact with each other. Let us grow together as a family so that when there is loss, when there is tragedy, we can stand together and we know how to help each other. So, Lord, just continue to build us up. 
teach us, strengthen us. Again, open our eyes, open our ears so that we can hear the call of the Holy Spirit as he guides and directs us. So I thank you for all that are gathered here and for the plans that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.